Hello, everyone. I am so excited. We've got Chai Misra, the CEO and founder of Move. This is a new online co-op shopping thing. This is really exciting. Crowdfunding campaign going on right now. You don't want to miss this episode. Welcome to the Your Mark on the World show with your champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. This episode is made possible via the support of our sponsors, including Johnson & Johnson's Caring Crowd. Chai, welcome to the show. Evan, thanks so much for having me. Well, we're thrilled to have you and excited to talk more about MOVE. Um, you have an interesting background. Uh, sh share a little bit of your story and how you came up with the idea for MOVE and tell us a little bit about what MOVE is. You got it, absolutely. Uh, and by the way, I really couldn't think of a better program to be telling this story on, uh, just given what my story is, what we're doing. Um, so backstory on me, I uh, grew up in India, Delhi, and I was raised there till I was about 17 years old. Moved out here to the United States to go to school. Um, I, I really grew up in this uh, incredibly uh, industrial setup. It was immediately post-liberalization India. So everybody's quitting their job at the government, starting their own business. My dad did the same thing. And so I grew up in a world where my dad worked from our basement and my mom had a real job. So I was basically accompanying him to all of his uh, warehouse visits and steel mills and cement plants and places like that. And so I really grew up in this extremely industrial setup. And that really some, somewhat planted itself in my head at some point. Um, fast forward 17 years when I moved out to America, that's what I decided I wanted to study. I studied at the University of California, Berkeley, uh, across the bay from where I now live uh, in San Francisco. And uh, I knew from the very beginning, uh, for as long as I've been alive, that I wanted to study and I wanted to work in the process of how products get made. There's just an incredible amount of magic, good and bad magic, that happens between somebody making a product and somebody else consuming it. And I've just been obsessed with it, and that's what I wanted to study. So I signed up at UC Berkeley, and I lasted about six months. About six months into the program at UC Berkeley, I realized that, that, that I was not who the program is built for. The program isn't built for somebody who wants to build their own product or build their own company. It's built somewhat as a fast track to get a job at Tesla or Google or something like that. So I dropped out, and I started working. And uh, I was 18 years old. I had no skills, no discernible skills, uh, definitely no official skills. I had zero money. Uh, I really had nothing. Uh, but what I did have was uh, this obsession uh, with the process of our products made. And I really wanted to work. I uh, always enjoyed work a lot more than I enjoyed school. And so I just wanted to work. So I started looking for jobs. And the uh, very first job I found was out in Shenzhen in China. Um, and um, that sort of started me off on a journey. In Shenzhen, I worked with American startups that were creating products and I helped them bring the product to market. It's basically a team of designers and developers that's made the next big thing, or so they think, and basically helping them do everything that needs to happen between taking it from a blueprint, taking it from a design, to them shipping the very first units. And over time, they ended up snowballing into something much larger for me. From Shenzhen, I spent some time in Estonia, uh, I spent some time in France, spent some time in Germany, but mostly in the United States, and a little bit of time in India, sort of all over the place, but doing the same thing over and over. I would join a startup and help them bring a physical product to market. Um, whether it's a brand or a, an electronic startup, I've worked on everything from coffee machines to uh, military grade exoskeletons. And it was always, you know, my part of the job was pretty much all the same every time. Um, now, to try to cut this story short a little bit. Um, over time, I got to this place where I started to look at the market 
the entire market of consumer products and, and startups. And one of the incredible things that's happened over the last couple of decades, uh, especially with Amazon, is that we've gotten to this place where um, the standard e-commerce model is really fantastic at making and selling a specific type of product. They're really fantastic at uh, what we think of as uh, basically everything we already buy online, but what we think of as low frequency, high cost products. Things you buy every once in a while, but when you buy them, they cost a good deal of money. Uh, for products like that, Amazon and standard e-commerce are actually quite fantastic. Uh, what they're not so good at are everyday essentials. They're really not that good at supermarket products, at, at staples. Um, and this is not a small industry. This happens to be the largest consumer sector in the world. Um, and because the standard e-commerce model is so bad at selling these products, um, and it's, it's bad on a lot of different levels, but it's so bad at it that these products are still almost entirely sold offline. Um, and so after spending my entire adult life working in supply chain, specifically for that first type of product, I knew that I wanted to go off and start a company that had a lot to do with this second type of product. I wanted to start a company that could help bring supermarkets online, that could help uh, bring these staples online. Um, and so that's where Move came from. Uh, that was about two and a half years ago. From the very beginning, we've thought of Move as the next generation supermarket. We go out and find the absolute greatest supermarket staples in the world, uh, and we make them dramatically more affordable by cutting out the middleman and by cutting out the brands, we only sell our own brand, and by shipping it direct to consumer. So we go out, find the best products in the world, make them dramatically more affordable, and we make them accessible to every single person in the country uh, by going online instead of offline. Uh, so that's what we do. It's a direct-to-consumer supermarket. Interesting, interesting. And uh, I appreciate you sharing the story because it's just fascinating. Now, um, one of the key differences that you are building is a co-op structure for your customers so that all of your customers will ultimately buy a membership that entitles them to uh, some ownership yeah. in the uh, enterprise. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Um, and I, I should explain sort of the genesis of that and where that really came from for us. Uh, as, as we began to redesign the e-commerce supply chain, we knew we wanted to change fundamental parts about the economics of the structure, the economics of, of the supply chain, and then the ethics of the supply chain. But something that we sort of happened upon was, was starting to realize that, uh, you know, there's this sense in the market, the customer experience um, of e-commerce is pretty much perfected. It's as optimal as it's ever going to get. Um, and it really couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, Amazon is seen as this sort of behemoth that's got it figured out. Um, and when we actually got to it, um, we started to study what it was about the customer experience that wasn't perfect. And I think the biggest thing we came upon was that um, the only two times the standard retailer or Amazon or any company in the world, the only two times it talks to you uh, as a customer are if, it, if they messed up and they're trying to apologize and that's customer service uh, or if they're trying to sell you something and that's marketing. Um, and that felt extremely off. And then I think to add to that, uh, this was around the time that we started to notice uh, multiple retailers, even in our industry, uh, were falling into all of these problems with uh, 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 quite a few ethical problems, whether in their supply chain or products that were marketed in the wrong way, all, all kinds of, you know, a lot of food startups out here in Silicon Valley falling into a lot of trouble with that. And so we realized firstly that there was something wrong with how companies interact with their customers. Past that, we realized that there is, a, there is just a built-in friction into how Silicon Valley consumer companies are operating. 
because they have two different stakeholders that they're optimizing for. You've got investors uh, who want you to do one thing, and then you've got customers who want you to do another thing. And um, when, when, when you have a conflict like that, you're gonna side with the person that gave you a million dollars. And so as a result, you, we live in this world where Silicon Valley companies are constantly prioritizing the investors over the customers. Um, so those two ideas really sort of stuck in my head and, and the team's head. And we, we put our heads together and we, we thought about it for quite a while. Eventually what we came out with was to say, hey, you know what? What if we remove this artificial division? We are very much one of those concepts for whom crowdfunding was basically created because this is one of those concepts where everyone can be a customer. I mean, it's a supermarket. So really, there's no niche here. There's anybody in the world can shop at a supermarket. It made sense to open that up, uh, open the ownership up in the same way to allow anyone in the world to also be an investor. Um, so that, that's, that's where that came from. And um, to take this back to the two problems that sort of started this off, what this has now done for us is it has dramatically changed how we communicate with the customer. And past that, it's completely aligned the entire company on one goal. So in terms of communicating with customers, um, we are able to do things that I really think no other retailer would be able to get away with. We can go to a customer and say, hey, you know what? We were selling this product and it's not good enough. We realized something about the supply chain. It's not good enough. We're going to cut it off. Uh, and they understand because they're not, it's not just a sort of a, uh, a one-time hit for them. They understand where we're coming from. Um, past that, we don't send any newsletters. We don't send any newsletters, any marketing updates, none of that. Every week, every customer just gets one email directly from me. Thousands of people, just one email straight from me. Um, so it's changed how people feel about the company in really big ways. Um, but then past that, I think it's aligned internally at the company. It, it's made us care about one thing, one thing only, which is, uh, can we or can we not deliver a supermarket that is better on three counts? It, uh, economics, ethics, and experience. If we can do that, we're doing our jobs right. If we're not doing that, we're doing our jobs wrong. And so then, you know, we, we really can't sort of find any shelter under getting a nice VC round or something like that. We really just have one thing to care about. So that's, uh, that, that's where that idea came from. Now, you are also conducting a crowdfunding campaign on WeFunder. Um, tell us a little bit about the offering, uh, you know, the logic behind it, and to, to the extent you can, the deal terms. Absolutely. Um, so I, I might be prohibited from talking about some specific deal terms, but I can give out the link where everything is explained in a lot more detail than I can even give. Uh, so the link right off the bat is WeFunder.com move. That's where the, the offering is hosted. Um, and so when we funder, we really found a fantastic partner for us. Um, we knew we had this idea for wanting to give people ownership in the company. We had no idea how, which we're not, we're not fundraising people, we're, we're supply chain people. Um, and then we meet WeFunder, with whom we actually share an investor, Y Combinator. And uh, they just sort of got the vision from the very beginning. Um, they have people on their team from Kiva and from a number of social enterprises. So, so they understood what it was that we were trying to do. We partnered up with them and we, from the very beginning, wanted to design a campaign that sort of uh, perfectly sticks the landing in catering both to consumers and to investors and, and sort of consolidates that into one group, consolidates them into one group. Um, and we spent about six to seven months with WeFunder, um, holed up in their office, uh, creating this campaign. And uh, we released it uh, earlier in March uh, as under the pre-launch version. And so it wasn't discoverable at first. We just sort of tucked it away on WeFunder. And the plan was to, to go live with it um, uh, at the beginning of April. 
and something sort of incredible happened. We did with zero marketing and with uh, zero press placement, zero anything really. Um, on the 1st of April, when we opened up the campaign, within the first few hours, we shot up to about $80,000. We're almost at about $85,000 now. And if you look at who's investing, and this is why WeFunder was a perfect partner. And it's really in a lot of ways, uh, for me as a CEO has been a moment of vindication because this is a weird strategy. And it's, it's the, the fact that it's worked is quite incredible. If you look at who's investing, right? These are people who live in cities and suburbs and rural areas, right? They're working blue collar jobs, white collar jobs. They are working all the way from being a cashier at Walmart uh, to people who are private equity investors in New York. Um, truly, it's got the kind of universal appeal that we were hoping for. But past that, it's, we've been able to unlock the, the, the same sense and the same feeling that we wanted people to feel. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of these folks on the phone. And the thing that they'll tell you is, firstly, that they're very excited for the supermarket launch. They're, they're excited to start using it. But past that, they're excited to tell their friend about it. And they're excited to tell their friend, hey, this is my company. This is a company that I helped will into existence. Um, so yeah, so we're working with WeFunder for this offering. So far, it's been incredible. We're gonna keep the offering running, it seems like right now, until the end of April, so the 30th of April. We're gonna keep the offering up till. Um, anybody that's interested can invest as little as $100 in the company. Uh, and yeah, it's at wefunder.com slash move. Excellent. Now, uh, Chai, if you were to summarize the, or list the social impacts, uh, if we could just focus on that for a minute, how do you see uh, move changing the world for the good? Yeah. Um, so I see three big things. Um, two of them are about what we do. And the third one is about how we do it. Uh, the first two in terms of what it is that we do, um, they have a lot to do with the actual value chain through which we're buying products. If you look at the current food value chain, uh, the problem with it is, that, you know, the USDA publishes these, this great series of, uh, of papers called the Food Dollar Series. Uh, and they break down uh, when you spend a dollar at a supermarket, where does that money actually go to? Um, and the insane thing is that when you spend a dollar at the supermarket, about 15 cents go to the producer. About 85 cents go to the middlemen along the way. Middlemen, waste, uh, packaging, all kinds of things that aren't value addition. They're just sort of there. Um, so we, we're living in this world where two immediate problems are that a consumer is paying more than they really should be. And past that, not all consumers even have access to it. So they, you either don't have access or you're overpaying for the food that you are buying, that you do have access to. That's on the consumer side. And then on the producer side, we live in a world where producers are routinely systematically oppressed by the supply chains. Um, uh, you know, this is not a joking matter. This is definitely not a light matter. But, um, uh, you know, farmers around the world are, are one of the highest, um, well, the, the occupation with the highest rates of suicide and the highest rates of depression. Um, it, truly, across the world, even in America, producers are systematically oppressed by the value chain and they're getting paid um, less than uh, less than livable wages. Um, so that that's that's the problem with the value chain. That everything in the middle is sort of pushing out both the ends. Um, and so we wanted to come in and change that middle part. We're not the people making the peanut butter. We're not the people making the olive oil. What we want to do is to find the greatest producer in the world that makes the best almond butter, that makes the best peanut butter, and to then bring their products to everyone in the country. Uh, and in doing so, to make them dramatically more affordable. Um, so by doing that, we're able to do the immediately the two problems that we're able to solve 
is that we're able to pay our producers a whole lot more than any supermarket in the country. And it's not just about us. The fact is once we start paying them more, the ripple effect of that is big because then people start demanding from other retailers that they pay them more too. And on the consumer side, we're able to make these products a lot more affordable, much more fairly priced, but also we're able to bring them to everyone, including people in food deserts. We're able to, everyone with a zip code can access Move. We are already the only supermarket in the country that's in all 50 states. Um, so those are the two problems in what we solve. One on the producer end, paying them more, and consumers in making these products accessible to everyone. Um, but then there's something about how we do it. This is uh, at the core of our conversation, the, the co-op structure. Um, what we wanted to change from the very beginning is we wanted to, it, it's not, it really isn't just about being a supermarket. It's about how the consumers inside of that supermarket actually interact with us. Um, and what opening ownership up to members has done is it's allowed us to be completely radically transparent. So the biggest thing that we do is we show a consumer the entire supply chain from beginning to end. And we show them how much money the producer made and how much money we made and how much money went to packaging every single step of the way. That again is something that of course we're doing it and that's fantastic and you know, a few thousand people will, will, will see it. Uh, but what matters a lot more is that the ripple effects of that are gigantic. Um, that once we start to open our supply chain up, that forces first other online retailers and then eventually all retailers across the country uh, to open that up because uh, it makes, a, it makes a, uh, a customer go, hey, wait, hold on. So they're paying their producer $4 for this product and you're charging me $6. How, what are you paying your producer? And so it's it sort of, um, it, it, I think it, it, those, those are the big problems that we're trying to solve um, around access to food, access to quality food, uh, past that, the exploitation of, uh, of producers and thirdly, transparency in the supply chain. Those are the three big issues that we're centrally focused on. Shai, you've been moving around a lot. You are uh, truly a fast-moving guy. You're 24, yeah. and you've had uh, nearly as many jobs as I have, and I'm not 24. <laughs> yeah. How would you give comfort to someone that you are in this for the long haul, yeah. even when it gets tough. Yeah. Um, well, I, I um, first of all, that's one of the best questions I've heard um, in any of the interviews that I've done. Uh, I think that the first thing to, to think about is, um, you know, what the motivations are, what the incentives are, right? Um, I, I understand how people see a 24-year-old CEO. Uh, but you know, I see it a little bit differently. I think uh, what being 24 means to me is that I have time. I have a lot of time to put into something. Uh, I don't have to make a quick buck. Uh, I can do this for 20, 30 years, right? And uh, still, still not have to make a quick buck. So that, that helps. Uh, I think that has put, and, and this is true. I mean, everybody at the company is older than me. Um, and I think one thing that they recognize that that's, they honestly brought to my attention is that uh, I am just much more comfortable playing the long game um, given my age. I just have the years to spare. I can spend the next 10 years on this and still be considered young. Um, and so that, that helps a lot. Uh, but I think past that, uh, it, it's also about, it's, it's also exactly what you said, where um, you know, what I have seen my 24 years of being around. Um, my 24 years of being around have basically been a 24 year lesson in supply chain and how products are made. And uh, that is more than a lot of supply chain experts have. Um, you know, I, this is the world that I grew up in. 
this is the world that I know. This is the world that I've thought about more than anything else in, in the world. And so um, I think that's, th those are really the two big factors is that firstly, I have time to give. Um, and then secondly, uh, this is very much what I've been building up for for the past 24 years. Chai, what is your superpower? Oh man, um, well, there are fake ones and then there are real ones. I think uh, the, the, the best one, if you were to ask one of my friends, it would be that I can stare at absolutely nothing uh, and have just be in my own world thinking for longer than, than pretty much anyone else in the world. Um, I have a Doberman Pinscher and him and I are both have the same, you could call it a superpower, you could call it a weakness, where we'll just both stare off into space and be thinking about God knows what for, for hours and hours and hours. So that, that's, it comes in handy, especially when um, uh, I'm in conversations that aren't going well or it's a long plane, right? Things like that. Uh, but I think past that really, um, I think it's focus. Um, that, that's, that's helped a lot uh, throughout my career. You know, I, I never really felt the need at any point in my life to want to be, oh, maybe I could be a lawyer or maybe I could be this. Um, you know, I, I, when, when something grabs onto my attention, it really does grab onto it and I, I'm not able to, to shake it off. And I think that's, that's been very helpful throughout my life is just being um, sort of centrally focused on something. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Chai, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Before you go, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Moo, how they can learn more about your crowdfunding offering, and how they can connect with you personally? Absolutely. Um, so three links uh, that I'll give off immediately. Firstly, uh, to know more about Moo maybe to eventually become a customer to shop with us, please go to shopmove.co. That's S-H-O-P-M-O-V-E.co. That's our website. That's the very first thing. The second thing I'd say is please go to our WeFunder campaign. That's WeFunder, W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com slash M-O-V-E. WeFunder.com slash move. Uh, we are currently experiencing one of the most successful um, crowdfunding campaigns, um, uh, one of the most successful crowdfunding launches. And um, our big goal over here is really, that's why we kept the minimum load too, is we want to try to get as many people in as possible. And you can own a piece of move for as little as $100. Um, so that's the second link. And then thirdly, to get in touch with me, um, I'm going to just put this out there. My email is uh, chai at shopmove.co. Um, please email me. Uh, I, I'll try my best to respond. As Devin knows from having put his email out there that it's, uh, it's not always possible. And sometimes you get uh, bombarded and you're not able to swim out of it. Uh, but I will try my best to respond. And uh, I always love hearing from uh, customers. I love hearing from members. I love hearing from people who are interested in the concept. I mean, this is my baby. And so when somebody's interested in my baby, I think that's, uh, that's pretty great for me. Fantastic. Well, Chai, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We wish you every success in uh, raising money and changing the face of the world with respect to food. Thank you so much, Devin. I, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I must say, this has been one of the more fun interviews that I've uh, had the chance of doing. So thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. A Caring Crowd, we believe everyone has the power to make a difference. Through our crowdfunding platform for community health, we empower passionate people to drive real change. Whether you work for a nonprofit organization, volunteer, or want to get involved for the first time, you can post a campaign on Caring Crowd. Join us, because 
caring is where change begins. Thank you for listening. Devonthorpe's mission is to end extreme poverty, improve global health, and mitigate climate change before 2045 by finding and sharing the stories of those who are doing the most good. You can join with other listeners to accelerate Devon's mission by visiting helpdevon.org right now.